0: If you're going to put someone on a kind of an open science pedestal, hopefully you've done that because there are ways to hold them to account.
1: Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana and I'm from the University of Oslo and I'm here with James Heathers from Northeastern University. James, how are things? Uh, you're you back after a after a holiday Vacation
0: uh, uh,
1: Exploring the US Yes Where'd you
0: Yeah uh, This is my post-vacation noise, Daniel This is all I can manage My inbox, which is a flaming nightmare Of people who want vital parts of my anatomy <laughs> And oh, it's grey, man why do we go on holidays when we just have to stop them? Yeah. I- Maybe those passive income weirdos who uh, come up with some <laughs> horrible scheme to defraud people with uh, whatever horse shit they're selling on the internet have a point.
1: you got to get on that ship. And, and you were... Um-
0: oh, man. It's just... It's, it's, you have this certain bleakness when you come back to it. and um, It's not just sort of jet lag and fatigue. It's sort of like getting back on the horse. And... It hurts. It's hurting me. I, am I, resenting it presently. Now I'm looking at you and answering complicated questions. We, we. So you know, bad to worse and all that.
1: We do have um some some listener questions. I think this I think this is our second and third audio questions. And uh, if you do have any questions, this is this is a really good way to get your question heard because we love these uh, these audio questions. So we're going to be doing two.
0: Why do we love audio questions more than written down questions?
1: Do we? Yeah.
0: Is it sound better? Is it? Is it good? I don't know what we love anymore, Daniel. I've no, there's no love in my heart.
1: Right it's now. all, it's all gone. But we're going to listen.
0: It's just ice and rocks and a toad, probably.
1: <laughs> Go on. We, we are first going to listen to uh, to a question from a friend of the show, Stu Murray. Um, who's, who's sent in a uh, fantastic question. So we're going to have a listen to it right now.
2: Hey, guys. Stuart Murray here from the University of California, San Francisco, with a listener question, if that's okay. Um, my question relates specifically to open science and the practice of sharing data and comes on the back of recently hearing one colleague say to another colleague, look, if you can publish high-impact papers that answer important questions, while using other people's data, why would you waste years of time and effort in generating your own data set? Now that really struck me because I think one of the most challenging parts of any research project is is data collection. And so my question to you guys is whether you think those willing to share data are potentially leaving themselves vulnerable to being scooped on projects they may have had in mind for the data set with their own data, and two, whether you think this risks creating a class of scientists who never generate their own data. Um, And I'm wondering specifically how you think this might impact early career researchers who are arguably the most bought in to open science and also are under the most pressure to build their career, to publish the paper, and to get the grant. Um, And whether by virtue of their willingness to share their data whether they're effectively handing over the potentially career-enhancing benefits of their hard work in collecting the data in the first place.
1: Well, so Stu has raised something quite interesting in that he's asked, well, why would you generate your own data set when uh, you can get your own high-impact paper using public data? And this whole question of whether people are vulnerable to, to scooping or getting scooped by other people for their own data sets what are your uh, thoughts when you first heard this question james from I thought it
0: was really i thought it was a really good point i'm never sharing anything with anyone ever again in case <laughs> i sacrifice some kind of competitive advantage with all the papers i haven't written yet so yeah you've talked me out of it thanks very much Stuart. you've just set back the open science movement 10 years personally Um, What I add at this point, I mean, his usual incomprehensible Mancunian gibberish has been significantly cleaned up for that question. Good job sounding like a person, buddy. (laughs) Um, I I know you'll hear this and then he'll yell at me. Don't yell at me. I'm lovely. I'm not lovely. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about this. I mean, this is is a topic, obviously, that's done a lot of rounds. There's a great deal to say. So, let's see how much we can say about it fast, all right? hmm All right. Um, I have some contentions on this that are from my work and others that are from talking about it. And I think a few years ago, I came to realize that the whole question of fully open data that's accessible with papers is really, really, really field specific. Really field specific. And even within sort of subfields sometimes... Um, what you think is the possibilities or competitive advantage from one particular data set? And maybe of absolutely no consequence to you, maybe of tremendous consequence to someone else. So, for, to start, for anyone who's going to listen to the following, just uh, recognize that um, the experiences on this are really broad. Um, even, even by the standards of the normal woolly answer to a scientific question, um, this shit goes wide. So, let's see if we can get some initial points out of the way really fast. First thing, the idea that you can swoop in a lot of the time and grab a data set and use it and do something really fancy with it um, is a fear that I think is bigger than the appreciable challenge of doing that in and of itself. As in, it's not nothing. It's not some straightforward, uh, career-centric, pain-free move to grab a data set that exists and suddenly knock it into a shape where something can be uh, planned. And then immediately uh, immediately like, waltz into an allegedly fancy journal. It's hard work. Um, and other people's data sets uh, are, are not... It's it's not like reading a paper. It's it's an interactive activity where you have to understand a lot of code, presumably make a lot of decisions, presumably write a lot of pathway stuff to get everything sorted out. Not everything is a perfectly formatted uh, pile of numbers but that you, you can immediately use to make your own conclusions. You said it so, was hard
1: hard work. Um, but one thing that Stu raised was that well, people who who are collecting the data are probably doing the harder work, don't you think?
0: That uh, totally depends on the field. Okay, absolutely, absolutely, and completely possible. Look for for signal analysis stuff. Dan, I mean, it's a lot of the time we just get big bags of existing signals, and then and then look at how one approach works v- versus another approach. Um, the whole thing would collapse. The novelty is not really in the data; it's in the approach. So that's one end of the spectrum. But if you're talking about a really difficult to collect clinical data from a a population of people that's hard to reach, uh, a really rich data set where there are good questions to be asked and you can only really ask them in sequence, you know, one at a time. Hmm. Um, That brings us to the second thing, of course, is uh, you've got some... you're, You're only... Presumably, the reason that you're providing the data is like there's there's two reasons to do that. One is to make sure that the paper, uh, in the immediate sense, has a reproducible analysis, and the other is to provide the data as a resource for other people. Hmm. Right? They're not they're not the same, and they shouldn't be regarded as the same. So you can provide the data just to a reviewer to make sure that uh, everything behaves itself. And that is some version of the data being open. Um, And you can then not release it with the actual paper, or you can get into what I see you've been very keen on recently, the uh, the, synthetic data reproduction, Mm. which I'm sure you're going to tell us a whole lot about at the slightest possible opportunity. (laughs) Um, If you're, I mean, just like dumping the whole thing in the public domain. To me, these days, I've I've reviewed, I think, three papers now from the journal Scientific Data. Yep. Oh, really? And yes, they are kind of bullish about sending me stuff. I think three. I'd have to check. Can can you, for listeners who aren't
1: familiar, can can you give a quick rundown of what this journal is?
0: I love, I love this journal. Um, This is a journal where you publish a annotated analyzed data set, the raw data, sometimes the intermediate data, everything you can get your hands on with a very, very explicit description of the methods. Um, So for me, a lot of the time this is biosignal stuff that Mm. I'd be interested in, and it's biosignal stuff that they're sending me for review. I've used two data sets out of this for different work tasks so far, and I think I've reviewed three of the papers, but it might be – I can't remember. So. When you do this that paper is and of itself a citable object thing and I, th- I, I think that uh, putting if you manage to make a definitive contribution to that now I think if you if the whole idea is like oh, I want to be highly cited and an important little fella with a special feather in me cap uh, if that sort of thing is important to you I would absolutely totally write one of these papers. Um, and you know, if you had to publish out of it, you could put the abbreviated data set relevant to the the paper elsewhere. If you're gonna put a huge comprehensive data set out into the world, and presumably other people are gonna use it, then stick it out into stick it out into a data paper kind of format. Mm. Make it a make it a citable object. I mean that's that's the whole idea of making a contribution and being rewarded for it. So I mean, let, let's, let's say you, you, uh, you do some very difficult clinical trial over time, difficult, difficult to recruit population, um, presumably complicated analyses, lots of points of contact, lots of telephone calls, lots of emails, lots of checking up stuff, and you record a whole bunch of variables. No one's saying, take the entire content of the project that you just did and give us literally everything, even though some of it's unrelated to what you're doing in the initial paper
1: that that only goes right. to one of your points. So one of your points is can we reproduce the data? You only need to actually present the data that you used. Yeah. Of course. But the second point for data exploration, it helps to have the additional data. So that, I think I think it's it's nice that you made that distinction between those two sort of benefits of, of sharing yeah, data. Well,
0: ab- 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 absolutely it does. So the the other thing is um the other thing is, look, you—you you, before we even get to the issues of who owns the data, is it a matter of public commons? Does it? You've just used the government's money to fill your nest. A, a bunch of a bunch of resources. Um. I've seen a lot of people say in, in different, I, I, I really should have checked up on this over time. I need that. That's my special thing. It belongs to me now and I might need it. I might need it in future. It was, look, in my experience, you very rarely get around to shit that you might need in future. You know what I mean? Well, so, those people, people are sort of, I mean, this is game theoretic preserving the possibilities of a, a future analysis that might happen. Is, is a little bit more difficult to invest in i mean it, it also look here's the other thing if it's so incredibly goddamn important um I, I find it why why can't you prepare multiple papers at the same time for simultaneous release
1: <laughs> it's always the rich why can' why can't, can't
0: you why can't you fig share the whole data set and have like like all the papers that are written about it like pre-printed in one hit yeah. Oh, because it takes ages and ages and ages. Well, you just took you ages to collect the data set. You're talking about comparatively smaller ages to be able to take the central results that you want for it and stick it out. But look, before that initial publication, everyone's deeply paranoid about whatever. I, I, I don't see a lot of circumstances where you are somehow compelled to release data that you haven't published on. And then someone else who's totally unfamiliar with the data set manages to come in, analyze it, and then presuppose something that you wanted to say (laughs) yourself from the full comprehensive data set. I think a lot of this, a lot of the perspective on this is born out of the, the, to me, it's a little like my granddad who lived through the depression. And when we cleaned his house up after he died, he had big uh, big plastic shopping bags full of yogurt containers and uh, rolls of old carpet and stuff like this squirreled away in the attic in case he ever needed them. Mm. It was just a mindset that they had. You didn't throw anything out unless it became like useful. Even when you're on your sixth bag of yogurt containers, you still got to keep them because they're good, right? You might need it one day. You might need it one day. Um, the, 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 there's, there's a perspective past which you won't, where, where that's never gonna happen and people are go like, well on the off chance that I might need it in future, I'm gonna hang on to it. And at that that's the point in time where we can start talking about the, the public good. And it's the thing that never makes a light of day.
1: But the thing is if if, if these questions are so good and so obvious and someone else is going to scoop in and do them, why not why aren't you doing them in the first place?
0: Yeah, or uh, at, at the very least, if you've got a whole bunch of questions you really need to ask, and it's reasonably straightforward. Uh, forget about the questions that you're not capable of asking, Oh, I might want to ask it in five years when I become capable of it. You're never doing that. <laughs> That's never going to happen.
1: Because that—that that is uh, actually- uh, that, that is actually probably the most legit criticism that I've seen online for people not wanting to share data. I'm part of a big lab. We put a lot of resources in kind of getting to what Stu was getting at. We put a lot of resources in collecting this data. Um, I got four students. Uh, student one is doing analysis one this year, and student two is going to be doing this thing next year. I don't want to release my data because I don't want someone else to scoop potentially what student two is going to do. Now, that's not a bad argument, but then at the same time, if student two's plan is so – is so clear. One actually pre-registered with Student Two is going to do. You don't even have to see the data there.
0: Well, yeah, that's something else that you. There's something else that gets to happen. Um, if it comes to it comes to something like a, a registered report or a properly structured, non shit house pre-registration, <laughs> it's it's. I mean, his in in the kind of ongoing historical sense. Um, I think you're going to get a lot more cachet in 5, 10, 15 years. For your pre-registered versions of working on this analysis, than some shit that someone came in for.
1: But what I think is going to no, happen, it or
0: swooped in and did it.
1: What I think is more realistic: no one's going to have the precise same question as you, but someone is going to ha- uh, is potentially going to ask a similar question. Say you've put all this data, and you're like, I'm really interested in the cerebellum, yeah. And then someone else is going to use the same data to to do a paper on the cerebellum. So when you when when student two wants to do the cerebellum, they're not going to have the same thing, but when they submit the the paper to a journal, they're gonna go, oh, well, this is a novel. Someone else has used the same data set to do a cerebellum paper. They may have gotten different outcomes, but that that novelty of the cerebellum paper has gone away. So that I sort of can understand.
0: Mm, but you're now talking about a really specific yeah, circumstance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, t- t- two more additional perspectives on this. One, there are already huge public data sets that people have published shit out all the time and continue to do exactly the same thing over time and it's sufficiently big. Um, we think of NHANES or something like that. Mm. Massive government-funded data set. People are continually poking at it, looking for a new angle on something else without worrying about it in the first place now you're you're very unlikely to be able to produce that right Mm. are you going to collect a data set that's of that that kind of value where people are just going to be like lining up to poke around through it hardly i i i don't know i mean you you also have to have there, there is an interpersonal aspect of that. I mean, that's possible because that's a public data set. If it's your data set and there's people who maybe even to be critical of your work coming in, using it, publishing questions that you're interested in because the whole thing un- is unaccountably open and you've given away like, everything, the context, the box and dice, the stuff you haven't actually done yet. Um there is a personal element to that. Like that. Now they have to exist in a research community where they're potentially doing something that could be seen as seriously antisocial to you. Mm. Now, yeah, there's head kickers and sociopaths and fuckwits in the world who do things like that. But I think there's a way to use other people's resources in that context where they could make a name for themselves as a complete shithead. Right? Especially if what they're producing is, is the normal kind of arrogant, mendacious... Difficult <laughs> dick measuring sort of business of science in the first place. Um, second perspective, when it comes to scooping in biology, you'd, there's never any question. There's a lot of the time there's not any open data in the first place. When people talk about being scooped, that whole discussion is two people working independently on the same problem and one of them reaches it before the other. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's the whole sort of open data question is a lot of the time quite divorced from the general discussion of uh, that someone got to my conclusion before i did people working on the same thing so i mean you you, you, what i'm saying is you're protecting a hypothetical in this case you're protecting an analysis that might exist in future (laughs) um if it's big enough that someone could just come and do that can't you come up with something else that you want to do with the same resources yeah. Seriously, look, no one's no one's saying like collect something with 12 variables, analyze two and then give away the other 10 so everyone else can have a go too. Yeah, if e- eventually, yeah, soon, you know? But this um, Look, I I don't have a lot of fear uh, I I think the, the 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 barriers to doing this. I mean, this is I'm not saying this is an illegitimate concern. But I see the barriers to being able to share data more in terms of like, how do I structure it? How do I make sure everything's okay? Where do I put it? How do I clean it up? What's the best way to actually give it away? The actual work involved in the giving away I see is more of a barrier than people worrying that someone else is going to come around and presuppose their hypothetical future work.
1: Sure. It's extra work. But do you think people are worried about the potential loss of, of authorships? I, I get the sense that people like
0: oh all, yeah, I mean, I, people people say that all the time yeah, yeah, they are worried about that.
1: yeah and because there's no when you have the open data there it, it's poor form. so obviously it would be good that you include the original authors as co-authors but there's no necessity to actually do that. You don't have to.
0: What in the actual paper was yeah. you not required to add them as an author?
1: No, you, of, of course you should reference where the data comes from, but there's no requirement Probably, some people might yes. do that. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, this is, this is this, yeah. look, I mean, it comes back again to the sort of community building aspect of this. If you're going to add the people who are familiar with the data, it's probably going to go easier for you. Yeah, for it's sure. You're probably going to have a better idea. It's probably going to be well received. Like, hey, do you want to do 5% of the work on this paper for being 90-second author? Yeah, shit, sure. yeah. I'm interested in the outcome. I want to publish things because I'm a special science Malone, right? But as opposed to like, oh, I'm going to go it. Alone. I'm going to go it alone. Hope I understand this code. Hope I get the analysis right. Publish something out of it. I mean, you, you better not fuck that up, buddy. Because if you do, the people who really understand it are probably going to have words with you. Can you imagine doing that? Trying to trying to uh, finding an open resource someone else has published, publishing something out of it, and then having it immediately subjected to scrutiny by people who know way more <laughs> about it than you do because it's not your data set. That, that's. See, I wonder if that's a rational fear.
1: That that happened to me. That
0: could go really badly.
1: I I I, I did a preprint recently, and I uh, got an email from someone going, uh, "Oh, you, you you cited this paper, and I th- and I think you're wrong." I'm like, "Okay." And then, as it turns out, I was wrong because that the person who was emailing me actually wrote that paper,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it was good. Stop being wrong. What have I told you about being wrong? Well, I was Not no, it honest. was good.
1: I, I was I was half wrong, but the, the the correct interpretation actually strengthened the paper. But before, I want to get um, onto. Yeah. Be- be- before I want to get into synthetic data He's I want to ask you a question I
0: want,
1: I-, no, I want to ask you a question on. about that about, <laughs> about incentives. I get this feeling that now that we have all these rich open data sets that there seems to be more of an incentive to actually um, l- l- let's say you have x amount of time to work on a problem um, it's much quicker to actually work on these rich data sets. And, and and potentially get an outcome in a high-impact journal than it is to collect your own data. So, I get the feeling that people, that this is actually changing the way people are doing science. Maybe, this is probably showing my bias towards kind of neuroscience and psychiatry. But you have these massive data sets, people are jumping in. And just hitting home run after home run after home run. And there's no need to actually collect data anymore like Stu was saying. Do you think this is actually going to – I personally think this is going to change the way that science at least neuroscience has done where people aren't collecting the data, working on these big data sets. What what do you think about this whole whole thing where the the incentives are changing with the sort of papers we're writing?
0: Well, the first thing I can think of is that it sounds more efficient when it comes to someone's paying someone to collect data. It's not going to get used after the fact. People have got different skills. People have got different amounts of money. But look, from a a, a sort of an ugly careerist angle, are people getting grants to do reanalysis papers? Yes, absolutely. Right. Is that that anywhere near as common yet as as getting grants to do primary research and collect data that doesn't exist?
1: Uh, From my experience,
2: it's
0: it's getting 50-50. Really. So yeah, like the, the whole the grant th- is like we're gonna re we're gonna reanalyze this, et cetera, et cetera. So your grant's essentially a statement of saying we've got staffing costs, we need yes. hardware. It's, so, it's like low risk, but the, the data's collected. Okay. So now
1: you've got
0: this- the origin were the original is going to perform these hypothetical analyses in the first place? Some people are really good at analysis. Yeah. they, they, right? they, they see to what you're describing to me sounds like efficiency.
1: Yeah. This is this a good thing though? I don't know. Because because now now we have a bunch of people who are uh, training with their PhDs, knowing how to do great analysis, but they can't actually collect data. And like like you said, some people are great at collecting data, others are great at actually doing the analysis. I, I don't know whether this is a problem. Some or
0: not. people have got the some people have got the money and resources to do one or the other. You know. Yeah. I look here's the, the 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 thing that might end up being a corrective to this is that we start valuing the people who are creating the data sets if, the, if, like, if you make it, maybe at some point in time, that'll be a separate line on your CV. Like, we created this data resource that's different to a paper, and it's been used to do X, Y, Z. I mean, if it's really difficult to do, you're creating a really valuable data set. Well, that's something that's going to end up spawning lots of other research. Maybe, maybe the component to that is not let's worry about scooping as much as let's seriously value the data set that you've produced. Well, fun- because it costs time, money, energy, effort, etc.
1: Well, funding agencies are, are, are rewarding this. Um, in my annual reports, one of the big things is have you produced a data set that's actually a uh, public data set that other people can use. And I imagine, yeah, oh,
0: great. Put it. Look, yeah. put it on a. Put it on. If, look, especially if this hypothetical data we're talking about is so difficult to get your hands on. Put that shit on a fucking pedestal.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Put that, put that on a big old pedestal and say, you have created a resource that is really, really useful for lots of other people. So, you wrote some papers about it. Maybe you wrote a data paper. Maybe you just released the data set. But there's 20 papers that have been written from uh, the resources that you personally have collated and put in order and made available to other people.
1: That's uh, That's impact.
0: Impact. Well, that's 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 potentially actual real fucking yeah, <laughs> <a> <laughs> the fake hand wavy of, like, uh, of how much how much shit have you how much shit have you put in order? I mean, if, if it's that interesting and valuable, yeah, put that right right get that should get a little paragraph description in your fucking CV and yeah. then a list of all the papers and all the slappy fights and all the fucking agree disagree contentions that come after it all by itself. That's like. It's the same as like a facilitating a workshop where you you, you get a bunch of um, you, you get a bunch of papers on the other side because everyone has all these great ideas but you had to put all the work into managing the fucking mm-hmm. thing, getting everyone into the same room, writing all the notes, providing all the resources, etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So maybe we can maybe we can revalue, that, I mean, that sounds like something to me that would be really good in a grant report regardless. Yeah. You gave us money to do this thing. We produced this resource. We stuck it in the public domain and look how goddamn handy it is. Look how many good questions have been answered from it.
1: It's bang for right? your
0: buck. Well, you, maybe, maybe maybe, the solution is like more, more feathers or- uh, if it comes to data papers and they get really highly cited, we treat them as a separate kind of resource to normal. I mean, we already do that shit. We're like, this is a white paper. This is a committee report. This is an actual empirical article. This is a review. This is data set. Mm. Put this shit on a pedestal. If it's so useful for everyone else, um, let's reward the bejesus out of it.
1: And I, I think
0: where's your scooping well, now now' <laughs> you, it's like everyone's going oh you've been, you're being continuously scooped. <laughs> oop- it's the language of competition. yeah it's a language of uh, it's a language of people trying to like, get in front of each other rather than provide collective resources to you know ma- maybe do that science bullshit that we're supposed to do <laughs> when we're not out competing with each other.
1: Look, I, I want to talk about quickly talk about synthetic data because I think this actually solves a lot of the problems that Stu brings up. Um, like you said, th- there are two benefits to sharing data: reproducibility and people exploring the data and actually forming new hypotheses. And I think with synthetic data, you can actually kill both of these to, both both of these birds with the one stone. Because essentially, what you're doing is you're creating a data set which has the same statistical properties, so you can actually. Um, and but but at the same time, you're not um, you're not revealing the identity of people, so it helps solve these privacy concerns. And when you share that synthetic data. Um, with your paper, people can reproduce your results exactly and you're going to get almost exactly the same results as you would with the real data. But I think when it comes to the scooping thing, what's really important is you can share this. People can actually do their exploratory stuff on the full data set, but they're not going to be publishing with that paper, with that data because it's not exactly the same. The only way they can publish that data is by literally writing out a script and going, um, hey, Research Malone, we, we did this we thing, we did some exploratory analysis, we think we have something interesting, here's our script, can you run it? on the original data set and see what, and see what we got. So, it forces- well, let's,
0: let's, agree, let's agree to write a paper. Yeah. Here's the thing. We've got the, the- All right, I agree with this thing. All right, run it on the real shit. All right, well, here's- Again, you're- I mean, how are you going to do a bunch of synthetic PET scans, Dan?
1: Yeah. So, it's obviously limited by the type of data that you have, for sure. Yeah,
0: you know, first, thing, first thing I said, there's like every type of- Data is a very, very broad church, Mm. and that answer is influenced by the type of data that you're actually dealing with. Um, And is it like, is it raw data, or is it sort of post processed bullshit? With like signal data, a lot of the time, I don't think uh, it's going to work. I agree. Draw your own synthetic signals, and then do your own synthetic analysis, and draw your own synthetic conclusions. It sounds like synthetic bullshit to me. Yeah,
1: Yeah, no, I agree. It's got its, it's, got its but,
0: limits. Uh, but, uh, but yes, of course, there's an awful lot of stuff that's basically just summary statistics. Look, for, um, can you can you reproduce a uh, synthetic data set that has the same kind of properties? Probably in in a lot of cases, maybe even in the majority of cases. Mm. But yeah, look, I don't just want to hate on the idea because I mean, obviously I like, I use Sprite as... Generating Sprite generates synthetic data sets. I'm obviously interested in it. I don't want to hate on it just because you like it. (laughs) Um, It's it's intriguing. I think there's a whole bunch of possibilities locked up with that idea Mm -hmm. that are. I, I think the possibilities really haven't been fully explored yet. I'm surprised that no one had the idea sooner. Um, I can't say I fully understand how all those sort of generative procedures work or similar, but it's a, it's a really interesting it's a really interesting idea. Yeah. Um. the The best thing, the best thing, of course, is not the actual the data set itself. I, but I mean, also now you, in this scenario, you're potentially creating synthetic data to describe results that you haven't even fucking published yet. So I mean, <laughs> that is. Is already really creating an invitation for other people to go out and analyze it and then bring the analysis to you. But the one thing that it does is it means that you have got a data set and you run the code and the code works and you understand why yes. everything is the way it is. So important. And that it's in order. And you can go clickety-clack. Here's the fucking thing. Here's, a, here's the code and here's the analysis it produces. And it's a series of numbers that it runs on. Mm. And that can be stored forever without hurting anyone's privacy, without hurting anyone's feelings in the public domain forever. Yeah. Right? So, it's sort of halfway to the sort of Jupyter notebooky solution of let's actively generate the content that we want to see in a dynamic sort of document. It's kind of like a half dynamic document thing. Yeah. I'm not expressed that well. No. Anyways, to- look. Um, what else is there to say? I don't know, man. I want another holiday. That's what <laughs> else is to say.
1: We'll leave the question there. Uh, thanks, thanks, Stu, for uh, for that uh, excellent question. And uh, we're going to be back uh, after after this break with uh, another question from Robin Cock. If two Hertz episodes per month isn't enough for you, you can hear an additional bonus episode by becoming an Everything Hertz patron for only $5 a month. If you can't swing the $5 but still want to support the show financially, we also have a $1 per month tier which gives you access to a monthly newsletter. All of your financial support goes directly back into the show. If you want to support the show non-financially, we'd love it if you could leave an iTunes review or share links to the episodes on social media. Now, let's get back to it. Welcome back to Everything Hurts. Uh, This episode, we are listening to audio questions from our listeners. And our second question is from uh, Robin Koch, who was our first guest all the way back in episode 34, who is from the uh, University of Southern Denmark. And here is Robin's question. Hey, guys. As open science and transparency are slowly becoming the new normal, we're also realizing how much human factors like prestige and the desire for fame have been
0: messing up the business of doing science. So since much of the mess we are now in was driven by these basic human behaviors, such as ego,
1: how do we avoid the open science pioneers from becoming the next batch of people in the hierarchy who hold a monopoly on how we should do science? waving a hand and saying, well, everything's transparent now in it is probably not going to be enough. So how do we make sure that we don't fall in the same basic traps of human behavior again? This is a good one. Mm. Tough one
0: too. Why don't you you start, Daniel? Have a thought with your little (laughs) thinky face. Uh, Have a thinky face. You thought
1: as I was listening to Robin's question, the first thing that came to mind was the but transparency. But he, of course, he of course he he, he raised that ver- that very thing in his own question. But I do think that um, that is how we're actually going to get out of this mess. This idea that prestige got us in, um, but what if prestige is going to l- lock us in again with the same sort of problems? But I think. I'm a little bit more optimistic than Robin when it comes to how transparency is actually going to potentially save us. If we build in transparency from the get-go, then this is going to really help. Because I think that probably transparency is the biggest factor that got us into this mess that we can actually change. There are so many other things when it comes to uh, what incentives are, um, hiring incentives, grant incentives. That stuff's tough. But one thing that we can change or that's relatively easy to change, which I think is going to have the biggest bang for our buck, is by bringing transparency into this system. Because transparency helps actually f- people to figure out how decisions were made. And if these people are at the top of calling the shots, at least, at least we can see how they're calling the shots. How are people actually – a new journal comes out and it's the new hot thing um, in, in 5, 10 years' time. It's all, it's all about open science. Um. But then it's you know, obviously the the, the the chief editor or the editorial board are the ones who are really calling the shots. But if the decisions behind how the papers are assessed are made transparent, then we can actually see. Well, it, 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 it wasn't just um, editor Malone, you know, giving a an, an easy path to to, to their mate for, for for this paper. We can actually see how the review process went. I think transparency will save us.
0: Well. Am I, you am
1: I? too optimistic?
0: Um, on a, on a on a human level, you hope that some part of the answer to this is relatively straightforward, and that's like whoever you choose to put on a pedestal. Um, make sure they're continually meeting standards of external accountability. Look, this is the whole problem with the the the, the ego gatekeeping thing in the first instance, right? Is that there's a lot of systems set up to keep shit quiet. People, you, you know, write, write to someone, ask if you can publish in their journal. They let you because they're your mate, right? Get the get awarded because the, the, the whole the whole idea of a a, a kind of a systemic wagon circling gatekeeping bullshit. Right, is one of the things that really allows uh, a a certain sense of like the whole could of two classes of thing right? Mm. Two classes of thing. He said, just, just incredibly loquacious today, aren't I? (laughs) Part of my fucking brain is still in the desert in Utah. Um, Try, try to avoid putting anyone on that pedestal who doesn't know that they're occasionally full of shit would be a really good start. um, The other, the other thing is there's – I'm thinking about preprints in particular right now. Okay. The idea that you can't crack a journal is that your uh, opinion about something is able to be suppressed. The, the, the idea that there's only appropriate outlets to do something, that you, you can be shut out of a process while someone is necessarily shut in is one of the things that's going away. And hopefully, if you put someone on a mountain for being really good at transparency, regardless of their fucking ego, you should be able to tell them whether or not they've done something which is incorrect. You should be able to find out, as you say, you should be able to find out if there's a, a, a proper argument that can be had about something that they've published. I'm, I'm, I'm expressing this very poorly. Um what I'm, what I'm saying is that there's an awful lot of, if, you, if you're going to put someone on a kind of an open science pedestal, hopefully you've done that because there are ways to hold them to account in the first place. So saying that they're, saying that they're really good at it is a statement of the fact that the, the way that pre- people previously became dominant forces of scientific nature are less possible. There, I finally managed to find a <laughs> sentence that's not circuitous and ridiculous. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, but I mean,
0: there's there's more room for debate. It's 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 socially acceptable to just take your opinion and stick it in the public domain and say, stitch this, Jimmy.
1: But but I think that, that there's two things there. Firstly, perhaps you're putting too much faith in people. You, you you're getting at the point that we're only going to let people who we see as transparent rise to the top, so to speak. But we—is that putting too much trust? I'm in I'm hoping. Yeah, but this, this, this-
0: that's a that's a hope. But the second part, look, there's always going. But you, you, like, like ruin, ruiners and bastards don't go away just because. Of, I mean, if it, it's it's perfectly possible to follow every good guideline for making science as accessible as possible and still be an absolute prick, right? You're never going to do away with cabals and social gatekeeping. There's only some aspects of like, human interaction over the ego-driven acquisition of knowledge that you can change, and we're not allowed to purge anyone, which is often a shame. <laughs> so,
1: but don't you what? Don't, don't you think these
0: things it bleed. come in handy? Pl- like, Planck's dictum should be more, like more of an active thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, but don't it should be Planck's participative dictum. <laughs> Science progresses one funeral at a time. I love we provide that. By the funerals, uh, it it wasn't actually true of him. I mean, Helmholtz changed his mind a great deal, even when he was old. It's very interesting. There's a whole paper on that, actually. Um, like how how well did Planck's dictum apply to Planck? It's it's, it's, <laughs> it's interesting. Um, it, it wasn't. It actually wasn't. It wasn't really true of him and a, a lot of other uh, people of the era. I think is just sort of. You know, hide, hide-bound old fuckers with a handlebar moustache probably, like, cranked his chain a few times. <laughs> Poor old Plank.
1: Poor old Plank. But I, I think, though, that it's a bit of a paradox in that in order for movements to get off the ground, quite often you do need a figurehead or figureheads, but then all of a sudden people might turn on figureheads or uh, I, I don't know. And then we're, and then all of a sudden we're saying, oh, e- egos and prestige is what got us in this mess. Yeah. Uh, it's. I, I. still think we can put things in place when it comes to transparency, um, to actually guard against these things. If. 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 If people are being honest,
0: I don't think we're doing an amazing job with this
1: question. No, but it's. It's. It's hard. It's hard.
0: It's. How do you? I mean, I've, I'm not really used to the, the, the gear crunching that it provides. I wish there was an easier question, like um. Uh, which one of the wiggles should we shoot first? <laughs> um, the answer to that, obviously, is um, the brown wiggle the, that you never see. No, he's- the one who's uh, who's behind the curtain, controlling the other four on strings. Uh, no one ever talks of the brown wiggle, Dan. Um, well, that's me getting distracted. <laughs> There's. Uh, uh, hope hopefully, if you get some kind of cachet for making what you do accessible open available for criticism it has a moderating effect on you becoming a person who is untouchable via normal critical channels l- l- let's put it this we put it that way
1: l- l- let's put it this way you remember that paper um, let's 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 change the significance level to 0.005. Now, yeah. Now, how did that work out? Yeah. Yeah. So, so now it's very easy. So, so that that is, it's it's not exactly open science, but it's per, it's peripheral to, to to open science. Now it is very easy to go back at all those seventy authors to see since that paper has been published, have they adjusted their significance to 0.005? These things are transparent. Everyone can uh, check.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a that's a good um.
1: That's a good way to waste a, a weekend.
0: A, that's a good exercise for all all the um the, the the sergeants of the Hertz Army. You all get to be sergeants. There's no privates in the Hertz Army. The sergeant is the minimum. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll, absolutely. We'll assign no we'll, we'll
1: assign one of the authors to each uh, to each sergeant, and they go forth and and check all their papers. Search.
0: So well, all right. So control F
1: zero zero five. Bob's your uncle. Uh,
0: Daniel. Hey. Um, that's- a, I'd, I'd, never, I'd never really thought about that. I wonder if there's a kind of a um, prisoner's dilemma aspect of that. Like, I, I meant if everyone was going to do what I was yes.
1: going to um, <laughs> On the proviso of, uh, that that's why I'm actually very hesitant. There's been some times that I'm like, oh, on, on Twitter, I'm like, oh, people, we should be doing this. And then I look at my own paper that I published a week ago and going, I did not do that thing. I cannot be a hypocrite. <laughs>
0: Uh, people practices you can, change you can have you can have ideals Dan. Yeah. And you can have a discussion without having to live up to every goddamn thing you've ever said um, it's we continually run into time of the day problems with with everything like this i mean th- th- there's something that i've been thinking about recently is how we it it's it's presumably good to want more accuracy, yeah. more ability to check what lies behind the curtain of a scientific publication, You know, what, as well as like, to make things more verifiable, more straightforward, to have systems in place. It all comes at a time cost. And when you add all that on top of, He's everything else you're supposed to do because you need to thrive, young Padawan, and do as much bullshit as humanly possible and be a special fancy person. Um, I just wonder how hard we're going to turn all those handles at the same time. Mm. Right? I mean, this is, I saw a thing on a sort of medical Twitter the other day, which I quite like because of everyone's... Um, a little bit more unhinged and unpleasant <laughs> than they are on some of the other. Really, even more, even more than Psych Twitter. Oh God! Yes. Really? Yeah. No, it's, it you, it's,
1: you know, it's, you know who the yeah, nicest Twitter is? So much, Epidemiology so much Twitter. Fun. That seems.
0: Oh, it's because that's because no one else understands it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: They're all talking about DAG DAGS. That's it's 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 a, it's a, it's a stat that, technique. They're the
0: pike, they're the pikeys from Snatch?
1: No, <laughs> I work with a bloke called Dag, he's nice. Uh, no, it's, um, I don't even know what it stands for. It's, 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 it's a way to determine causality between.
0: Desperate Aquiline Germans.
1: I don't know, something. Anyway, they're all talking about Dag. Yeah, but, okay, so medical Twitter is a cesspit, go on.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a great fun cesspit. Okay. I enjoy uh, it very much. It's, it's, I think people are a little bit better at throwing rocks and a lot of the time they're a little bit better at... Uh, I mean, the, 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 it seems like a lot of the criticism is more pointed sometimes. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm a bit more comfortable with that. Is it because there's um, actual it's implications
1: it's, for errors in medicine? Oh,
0: who, who, who knew? Um, yeah, it, yeah, the funniest thing is the biggest the biggest error I've seen recently that people have been corrected is the, uh, the, 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 <laughs> the paper about medical errors what <laughs> you know medical medical errors are supposed to kill everyone including you and your mum and your and your goldfish and your budgerigar and you're all already dead because medical errors are so terrible it's a horrible horrible misunderstanding of them. Um, how uh, that uh that data was originally presented the whole medical errors are the second leading cause of death is a bunch of
1: and it was wrong uh, oh brilliant
0: uh it's yeah right so i mean it's medical people correcting the errors about medical errors it's yeah, yeah it's diffi- it's difficult to say out it's loud It's a me- um, all right so someone someone said i can't I, I i don't know if i could find this again but maybe we should be like talking and debating five times as much and publishing a quarter of the oh media. i saw that you no know? yeah right no people oh. people have ex- people have expressed that sentiment down since about episode 2 mid mid 60s Oh, shut up, episode 2, like we're <laughs> important. I'm saying it's been a long, long, long discussion of how much extensive information is it appropriate to produce. And there's, one th- there's one place where I see very little fucking progress. It's the idea that you just need to continually produce things. And if anything, some open resources make that worse. You now have better access to resources, do more stuff. Yeah. You're now allowed to preprint things in advance, produce more documents. We're not being gate-kept anymore. Okay, well, if that's the case, nothing's getting in the way of your productive capacity. Now go out and produce your good little machine. Produce the fuck out of some stuff. I do wonder if there's a flip side of all of that. I do wonder if there's a flip side when it's difficult to keep up as it is. And what what happens when... You break down all the barriers, but you don't change the requirements to be as, you know, Pro- produce reflection and insight at speed, you- which I've always regarded as, you've heard me complaining about this for years, all right Have a really good, thoughtful idea really fast. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> I need insight by Tuesday as if that was like the the world was particularly conducive to having all the insight ripped out of it like that.
1: Are, are you getting at the point like that- Like nature
0: gives a fuck what you think.
1: Are-, are you getting at the idea that preprints are making it too easy to put stuff out there? Because- I saw no, no,
0: no. I'm not. So, I'm, I'm not. I'm not getting it. Though, like preprints make it too easy to put stuff out there. I'm people have. It's, it's. It's. not. It's not a matter of oh well. The, the whole thing's going to be overrun with horseshit. That's a completely different argument. As much as the whole idea of get all this stuff published is. It. It's. It's easy to say. Well, it's really difficult to navigate that process, and I've had bad luck. But if get all this stuff published means produce all these documents right, produce all these analyses, produce all these experiments, whatever else, then the barrier that would previously be in place is gone. So you're now in a continual mode where there's nothing to keep you from accessing the public record with shit you produce. Hmm. I don't know if this is a particularly rational fee. I know it's, it's also, look... We still continuously don't reward really useful contributions. You write a piece of software, you maintain it and update it over time. I'll take that over a 100 fucking papers of hard like, work. splitting some other covariate thing into some other thing and hitting it with a stick and doing it all again. And I, I see people, it's just this continuous stream of what I hope is meaningful and only very occasionally capable of understanding immediately. I mean, I thought I don't wanna I don't wanna say the paper, you know the one I was talking about, we are talking about it the other day, and I just sort of it's a it's a paper where they take one bad idea ah. and mash it up <laughs> with another bad idea. Oh, oh right? man to, to make a kind of an omni shit. Yeah. Um, it's just it's the pinnacle of it was for for me, it's the kind of pinnacle of pointless careerism. Putting data in order, managing to combine two of my worlds. I don't want to drop these people. No, no, no I, I'm no, no, no. almost certain that they're acting in good faith.
1: I, th- I think, um, I think they are um, acting in good faith. I just find what it's...
0: they've done to be represent rep- reprehensible horseshit, and it, it, it would be definitely be in this carefully conducted experiment about two allegedly contemporary things. <laughs> it would be a better world if none of it had ever happened.
1: It was in the realms Honestly. of like sell onion type. Uh type headline
0: yeah shout out to sell onion those are good people providing the world with valuable snark and bitchiness big fan
1: i actually saw another crazy headline which i thought was too good to be true but when reading the abstract i thought that's brilliant it was um it was you may have seen this it was uh vagus nerve stimulation is brainwashing or vagus nerve stimulation as is, is vagus nerve stimulation brainwashing? And I'm like, that's ridiculous. No. Whoa, 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 whoa. But when you actually read the abstract, they're looking in the context of does it actually help filtering the CSF? So the CSF is is essentially like washing fluids through the brain. Yeah, there's that you smile.
0: It was so because
1: che- I read that thing and I'm like, Good who were th- who were these who were these um who are these cowboys? But then I read the abstract and I'm like, and it was actually It looked like- I didn't read the whole paper, but it looked like a really well-designed study where they demonstrated that perhaps the effects of vagus nerve stimulation are due to the fact that it actually helps filter out the CSF and it helps drain and wash the brain. Well, you
0: haven't said- you hadn't said filter what from CSF. Obviously, the brain doesn't need cells with tiny little brushes uh, and a tube of turtle wax. So, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll- but the, the idea, the idea though, that something that's as, as abstract as shoot electricity into nerve where the mechanism's not understood, the idea that people are looking for a mechanism, yeah. even if it's insane, is way better than... We got something we don't understand. We mashed it into something that we can't define, and here are the results. Depression's gone. The most vague, vagal nerve stimulation in uh, to designed to treat an abstract, difficult to define condition, especially a psychological one. You know, this is vagal nerve stimulation for anxiety. Okay, you don't know what the stimulation's doing, and you have measures of anxiety that are.
1: Tenuous at best,
0: as <laughs> as as abstract as they've always been, and now you're adding a mechanism that you in no way understand to say like whether or not it, whether or not it did anything in the first place. So I might it's possible. Obviously, it's possible to do investigations like that better. It's just sort of I don't find it very satisfying. Um, I wish the sort of. I wish the physiology was filled in before we started slinging it around just because it's easy to shoot electricity into people.
1: Well, it's, it's approved now for- you
0: would say exactly the same thing about- um,
1: SSRIs. Or-
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Basically, we don't know anything and it's all bleak and we'll all be dead soon anyway. Who
1: would have thought that one of the latest kids on the block will actually understand that mechanism faster than we understand how lithium works?
0: <laughs> lithium?
1: lithium around mm-hmm. since the since the sixties, right? By by a bloke in Sydney. Have you ever John, wanted John, to try John, these John Cade.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, have you ever like, got really curious? I've never had any psychotropic medication, but I'll be good and goddamned if I'm not super curious about what it would actually do. There is a lot of A world full of whole world full of drugs, and you never get to try the the kind of regulated ones. A lot of
1: people do do single dose studies, but they're, they're, they they happen. Yeah. Single-dose SSRI, single-dose lithium.
0: Yeah. I just wonder about the subjective experience of it. If it's- I wonder what it would feel like it would change. What am I talking about? (laughs) Um, And no one start mailing me medication. That's obviously (laughs) illegal. Um, Ah, shit, Dan. Look- Dude. Look, I'm I'm doing I'm I'm doing my best here. Okay, it's, everything is raw and ragged behind my eyeballs. It's just synapses that don't connect to anything anymore. That are like farting like an engine cylinder with the cap off. It's just just squirting out whatever the hell is flowing through them and, and we're into tiny eddying pools of confusion
1: and we're about to record and our th-
0: and thus i pass the confusion on to you
1: we're, we're about to record our bonus episodes if you want if you want to let this confusion just just fall into a deeper hole you have you have to be, listen oh
0: yeah yeah and and as per usual I suppose this is for so people who are not on our patreon will not realize this but dan likes to jump me with the content of uh, he gets something that he thinks will annoy me and then he doesn't tell me what it is and then he annoys me live on air. You have
1: to listen to this.
0: Yeah, it's just like imagine I mean, if you want the kind of description of the tonality of this. Imagine Dan poking me with a plastic fork for 15 minutes while I'm not allowed to hit him. Uh,
1: that that's that's bonus hurts.
0: That's bonus hurts.
1: Join us on Patreon.
0: It's a uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, 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 you should you should definitely do that.
1: We might uh... um but that that's been uh, some some good questions from uh, from Stu and from uh, and from Robin. Thanks for sending them in. Um, uh, contact us over our website if you do have these sorts of questions, and we can give you the details yeah. of how you, you
0: can. can. You can still write to us. Oh as yeah well. yeah yeah. So we like we like hearing your cheery voices. We do. I mean, that first everyone's got so much to live up to after that first question from Aaron, which was. Simultaneously intelligent and well-recorded and mellifluous, it was everything an audio question could be and more. So, those of you with good voices and good questions, a standard has been er- set.
1: Aaron set the bar very high. Hello, very Aaron. Very high. That is all for today's episode. Uh, thank you for listening, and we're going to be back um, again. Um, this will, the next this this episode is going to be in uh, early September. We'll be back with a new episode of Everything Hurts. See you later.
0: And today, everything really does hurt.